Any questions tonight? Yes. Uh, continuing uh, with the same, kind of the same thing from last night, you were speaking of Bhaktivinoda's uh, adjustments uh, according to circumstance of the culture. Um, I also came across in reading Chaitanya Charitamrita, the, there's a verse where Sarvabhoma, who's still depicted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita as a Mayavadi. This is just after he's removed Lord Chaitanya from uh, Lord Jagannath's temple the first time and taken him to his home. And in that description, he describes the highest ecstatic emotions that Lord Chaitanya, uh, you know, was experiencing. Uh, my question is, I've always been led to believe that those highest emotions can only be recognized by one who's a devotee. Mm, so how could Har- Sarvabhoma yeah. recognize them? Sriman Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya ke jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ke jai, Sri Chaitra Jagannath Puri Dham ke jai, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita ke jai. So, uh, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, of course, was a very um, prominent person in his time and um, for long uh, thereafter as well as um, celebrated as, I think, the greatest logician in Indian history, other than perhaps his disciple, Raghunath Shivamani. You know the story of how he wanted to be the best scholar and he was crossing the Jamuna with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and asked uh, Nimai Pandit to look at his book and give his opinion and um, Mahaprabhu liked it very much and he said I wrote one too and will you look at it give me your opinion and so when Raghunath Shiramani began to read the book that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had written. He began to weep. And Mahaprabhu said, my book is about logic. What's making making you cry? And uh, he said, I wanted to become known as the greatest scholar in the the Navanyaya, which was the kind of the the, um, uh, uh, form of uh, logic that was prominent at the time that uh, Sarvabhoma had actually carried by memory from Matila, which was prior to Navadweep being holding the crown of scholarship was held in Matila. Sarvabhoma went there to learn and memorized the book that was being taught from and then brought it back to Navadweep. And, and eventually Navadweep, the crown of scholarship came to Navadweep. Um, and so he said, I wanted to become the greatest scholar. And when reading your book, I know that I might as well throw mine in the Ganges. And Mahaprabhu said, well, hand it back to me. And he took it back and threw it in the Ganga. And so the Raghunath Shiramani could become greatest scholar, which didn't mean a lot uh, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if you will. Um, and he was, of course, Nimai Pandit. Um, and so Sarvoma, Raghunath, 
It's I believe they're very famous. Uh, I believe both about the charges. Name is in the Encyclopedia Britannica. As the leading uh, logician of of, of uh, India in um, ancient times, so um, he hailed from Navadvip and he um, was acquainted with um, with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, father and uh, grandfather. I think his father was friends with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's grandfather grandfather and um, so when uh, Sri Krishna Chaitanya came to Jagannath Puri and caused a great commotion in a temple uh, because of his ecstasy he actually came ahead of his associates who accompanied him um, because he was finding them to be a burden hmm? um, an example of that is Nityananda Prabhu's breaking of his his staff, his danda, and throwing it in the in the in the I think the uh, one of the rivers, Godavari maybe, or something along no that would be further south along the way at any rate, and um, while proving internally, externally he was upset because externally there, there were external reasons that he took sannyas to teach by his example and. Mahaprabhu was had broken his dunda for internal reasons, thinking you're Krishna, you carry a flute, not a dunda, which a dunda means to punish. So it's meant, it's meant, it's meant to punish the person who carries it, who meant to punish his mind, body, and words, if you can call it that, by not allowing them to be engaged in anything but Krishna's service. This is kind of the idea. So anyway, the idea that the supreme enjoyer would be a um, a renunciate uh, wasn't sitting with well, him, well with him at the moment, and when Mahabhu fell into a trance, he broke the danda. So he went on ahead of them, Nityananda hmm? and the others who were accompanying him, stumbling as he approached Puri in ecstasy, seeing the chakra falling in ecstasy, getting up, moving forward, propelled, if you will, by the force of of uh, Nam Kirtan, Nam that was um, dancing on it uh, in his heart and appearing his heart and dancing on his tongue. So when he got to the Jagannath temple, then there there he saw, I mean after all he's, he's Krishna and pursuing the mood of Radha and there in the mood of Radha he saw Krishna with big big eyes looking for her everywhere and not blinking, he has no eyelids. He saw Jagannath, and in his vision, Jagannath was holding a flute and wearing a peacock feather. And he passed out in the temple, and that caused a commotion. Many kind of many pilgrims from all different uh, disciplines, persuasions, uh, approaches to uh, to uh, worship, to transcendence, found a uh, home of sorts in Jagannath Puri. Jagannath means the Lord of the universe and he's so configured, if you will, um, that um, uh, he could perhaps be uh, um, become the deity of any number of traditions <laughs> and they could reason about why he was shaped like that. Even the tantric Buddhists uh, worshipped him. Hmm? You have to look into that sometime, huh? what that was all about. 
And, uh, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw him in a certain certain light, as I'm explaining. And, and it's it's to see Krishna in that light hmm, that makes possible the kind of ecstatic um, um, condition that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu found himself in that caused him to pass out in, in, the, in the temple before Lord Jagannath. So, point being, it wasn't a common thing for that to happen. And there were all kinds of people from all type of uh, disciplines and so forth coming to pay homage to Jagannath. Jagat means the world, Nath means the Lord. And and you can say, you know, we don't know what he looks like. The Christians say, you know, he has no face or something like that. Sometimes in, in the, uh, some of the scriptures say Mirakar. And so, that, you know, so there's, there's this shape and you can't make out exactly what's going on there. <laughs> um, from Lord of the Universe in the big temple, and of course he's worshipped. Um, so, you know, they, you got like 64 offerings a day, so many kitchens, all that going on. You just kind of assume he must be God. <laughs> Nobody's being worshipped like this on earth. Someone must be in the right place here. Hmm? And so different traditions would uh, you know, identify with him. And uh, largely, of course, within Hinduism, but even Buddhism is an outgrowth of really of Hinduism. Um, so the tantric Buddhists as well. And, you know, the, the priests in the temple were um, the uh, followers of Shankar. And Pyagnapuri is one of the moths of the four, the four moths of Shankar with his sannyas lineage of ten names. Dasami, Dasanami, um, Sanyas, monastic order, and he had four moths, um, and one of them was there in Puri, and they they had the um, uh, the uh, they still have today they're the they're the, uh, the Pujaris and so forth. That's the I believe that's the that's the the sect within Shankar's um, sect of Advaitins that um, um, has. Um, Incorporated bhakti into their tradition as as a means to attain Brahma Sahaja, their conception of Brahma Sahaja, which is not a conception that we entertain that that is even attainable. Um, we have an idea of Brahma Sahaja in which the jiva can enter into Brahman, but we don't concur with the Advaitins that there is no jiva; there's only Brahman. Hmm. So that's, that's of course another another point, but um, but it, but it, but at any rate, there in Puri we have the bhakti influenced Advaitins. They could be most successful in attaining uh, Brahma Sahaja, the form of it that is attainable from our point of view. So, um, uh, point being that the. the caretakers of the temple, the pujaris, guards, and so forth, um, had no experience of that type of worship, if you will. Hmm? The worship that brought out those types of symptoms, entering astasattvika vikar and uh, that is eightfold transformations, and what Sarvabhoma referred to as adirudabhav, Hmm. The question is, how would Sarvabhoma know what is Adirudabhav? 
Um, and that's a good, 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 good question. Um, but before we fully answer the question, just to set the, the stage, um, and this was an uncommon thing, and so the priests thought that they should arrest him or beat him or or something. They weren't quite sure, and it was uh, Sarabhama was called upon to um, mediate or weigh in on the situation, and he um, called off the guards, who you know may have thought some crazy person has come into temple. He's rolling around, and and uh, you can't, you don't, you can't. This is not how you worship the Lord of the Universe. This is not how you do it. Hmm. They had a smart to you know vantage point too, of course, um, and the point being that this. Adiruddha Bhav, Mahaprabhu was exhibiting it. It it is what corresponds with his approach, which corresponds with the possibilities of ecstasy that are found only in really in Braj and um, in in the Gopis uh, alone, and some of Krishna's friends. Ruddha Bhav, Adiruddha Bhav, Adiruddha Modan Bhav, Adiruddha Maha. Madan Bhav, these are all um, uh, nuanced um, forms of of Mahabhav that again is exclusive to Braj and to the Gopis, to the Pranarmasakas, Rudra Mahabhav, Adiruddha Bhav, the Gopis, Adiruddha Madan Bhav to, to Radha and only Radha's group and so forth. So these, of course, are uh, the um, um, described by uh, Rupa Goswami hmm? in his um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and its sequel Ujjwal Nilmani. Hmm? So it, it wouldn't appear that Sarvabhoma, depicted there as a Maya body, was acquainted with such um, books and the concept of Uttam Bhakti that was really being given to the world by Rupa Goswami. Hmm. Um, having been, as he was, empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do Exatagavat, Rupa, Sanatana, uh, Jiva Goswami, uh, the band of them, the six of them, but um, Rupa Goswami in particular wrote about uh, the ecstasy on the path, Bhakti Ras Amrita Sindhu and Ujjwal Nilmani. Hmm. Um, where in, in, in therein you can find the kind of bhakti that these type of symptoms will appear in, which was um, unknown. Mahaprabhu was was a, was a veritable um, waterfall, as I like to say sometimes, of ecstasy. So if you come across a great, uh, powerful, awesome uh, waterfall, you have to kind of stand back and and just be in awe of it, the beauty, the power of it, um, kind of contemplate, you know, as it, as it empties into the sea, or whatever, you know, what, what are the implications, and, and, uh, and so on. Uh, um, but it's not that you can just go take a bath under it or something like that. But um, if we want to compare, as I sometimes have, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with the very personification of this, this this bhav in in sadaka deha, in a, in a practitioner's body, hmm? um, 
if we want to compare him to such a waterfall, well, the Gop, the 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 the, 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 the Goswamis, his disciples' task was to take that waterfall and turn it into a lake hmm? that could be approached, that you could bathe in, that you could swim in, that you could drink from, that you could be, you could take advantage of. Hmm? And they did so in the form of their literature. So they, in a kind of a soft way, they institutionalized the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that it might be shared and taken advantage of. And they located that ecstasy that he embodied hmm, on the scriptural map. Hmm? And that was the map of, you know, of the time that was more prominent than it is today. That was the ultimate uh, kind of authority, the revelation. So they located his the ecstasy that he embodied on the map, drew from different Puranas, the Upanishads and so forth in their own Granthas, Lila Granthas in their their philosophical books, like Rupa's book, the great I mean what I said it the other night, there's no there's no book there's no other book that um, compares to that in terms of being a comprehensive um, work or a tome on the nature of bhakti. If there was something else to be compared to it, we would com- we would go to the bhakti sandarbha <laughs> of Jiva Goswami. Um, you want to go back earlier, you've got Nard's bhakti sutras, but there, uh, uh, and then you got the Bhagavatam itself. But without the, the work of the Goswamis. It's, it would appear that it was not possible to draw out from it hmm, all of the the ecstasy that is found within there, the rasa. I mean, it's there 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 commentaries, their insights into the Bhagavatam are not just the interpretation of a particular text. If you hear them in relation to other interpretations, they retire other interpretations. I read recently a review of a book that was written by a devotee about um, um, comparing, uh, about interfacing modern science with Hinduism and this particular form of Hinduism called Gaudiya Vaishnavism that is um, what the Bhagavatam is about. And the review said, well, it's really not, you know, the book isn't really about interfacing modern science with the Bhagavatam, which doesn't have any particular doctrine that it is um, teaching. Uh, it's really about an interpretation of the Bhagavatam. It's called Gaudi. Nothing wrong with it, but I mean, he should have been more clear. He was saying like this about the book, um, that it's really about Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which is an interpretation of the Bhagavatam, and you know, you know, there's some you could say there's some truth to that, but really, really, I, I kind of chuckled and thought my comeback would be, no, you don't understand the Bhagavatam. You know, read the read the read the read the you know the Krishna Sandarbha. Read the, I mean, it's such a comprehensive explanation of the text that if we were to compare it to other explanations, they they were retired really. Hmm? And there is no, that's another point, there is no significant interpretation or let's call it an explanation of the Bhagavatam that um, after that of the Goswamis. Hmm? There's this kind of the final word on the Bhagavatam. Hmm? You know, you, you, you have Madhva did a, a, just a, they call it a gloss, you know, a, kind of a brief 
um, uh, work on the on the commentary on the text very brief. Ramanuja didn't didn't touch it. Shankar didn't touch it. Some later followers of Shankar have, you know, done little, little something with it here and there, but um, um, there's some prior explanations like Bobadev and uh, many many comments. I mean, the book has uh, through many many commentaries. I think there are over 80 Sanskrit commentaries on the Bhagavatam itself, mm-hmm. and these were, you know, as I say largely, for the most part, entirely prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu they're kind of, and his followers. They're kind of like the last word on the Bhagavatam. It's really like, you know, it really draws out the sweetness of the text. And it's it's really hard to say that this isn't what the Bhagavatam is really saying. You can say, well, Swami, you know, that's fine. But there are sections of the Bhagavatam that are theistic um, and lend to your interpretation. And then there are statements of the Bhagavatam that are very Advaitic. I mean, in the 12th canto, the Bhagavatam, it says that the that the Prayogen of the book is, um, what is that verse? Um, is Kaivalya. Hmm? Kaivalya means merging with uh, with Brahman. So you can see it's just a, you know, a jungle of different ideas that there's not a coherent uh, theme throughout of one particular doctrine uh, and you know it, of course as I say we read this read the Goswami commentary they've answered that <laughs> they've they've Jiva Goswami has taken us to what's the book about anyway it's a big book it's got you know 18,000 verses you know so many 300 whatever it is 30 something whatever chapters and um and so, you know, what's it all about? How, how will we understand what's what's being said there? And his answer is like, oh yeah, sure, of course. What is it? Let's go to the to the seventh chapter, where Vyas, in the book, is enters a trance, as advised, being qualified and as advised by his guru Nard. And then he comes out of the trance and explains what he saw hmm? that gave rise to his writing this edition of the Bhagavatam. Then, then we know what it's about. Then, then we'll know that we have like a hub to reference every statement. Because we can pull a statement out here, we can pull a statement out there and say the book's about a lot of different things. But what they've actually shown systematically, or they've given a real systematic explanation of the text that really makes sense out of something that might appear otherwise to be saying this over here, saying that over there, and then they show why Kaivalya, there's another meaning of Kaivalya, it also means love, you know, they, they'll cite the, uh, uh, examples of the word being used in that way, and so on and so forth, and, um, you know, is, is Krishna the Supreme Personality of God, or, you know, here, or here it says this, as him say Vishnu is, and so they, they it's particularly like in Krishna Sandarbha, you know, Jiva Goswami has, has taken every statement in the Bhagavatam that would appear to contradict the idea of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam and our explanation of it and shown how it really doesn't and what it's really saying in context. So it's really quite uh, masterful what the Godis have done. And, 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 and nobody embraces the book. 
like the Gaudiyas do. They saw it as the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Jiva uh, Goswami see it as as a book amongst the sacred texts as the book that that the rest of the scriptures orbit around and will be understood in relation to. And then within the book, how to understand all the statements, as I'm saying, and so forth. So I mean, this is like some really somebody who really studied the book. Hmm? <laughs> and and not only that, they didn't just study the book; they loved the book. Hmm? They weep upon reading the book and explaining the book. Hmm? And these are st- uh, students living on the Bhagavad So who, who, who's going to understand it? Hmm? Somebody sitting in a, the, the armchair philosopher and uh, uh, what's it about? Nigamakopaturo galitam valam sugamagadam atadrabhasam bhutam pibata bhagavatam rasam malayam muhuraho rasikabhubhivavaka it's a, it's about rasa. It's a, it says, drink this fruit of the Bhagavatam. It's the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic literature. Drink it, become intoxicated by it, pass out, get up, and drink it again. Hmm? This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was doing. I think he understood the Bhagavatam. Hmm? The ecstasy that the book says it's about, uh, the, 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 the Babuka, who it's meant for the emotionalist, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, spiritual emotion, obviously. So uh, there's not only the, the interpretation, if you will, or explanation of the Bhagavatam by the Goswamis, but an explanation that at the same time points to a person who exemplifies the very um, explanation and who's, who has the... The religious figure in the history of the world that more than anyone else embodies ecstasy, ananda. I mean, that's very objective. Hmm? The, and, and, and the description, I mean, the descriptions um, of him in this regard, this connection, are are numerous, numerous. As I was saying the other day, there's a lot of different saints in India, different times and so forth, uh, during, the, during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, also. You, I mentioned like Gurnanik, Kabir, um, uh, Narsimeta, Tukram, this one, Rumi, hmm? this one, that one, you know. But I mean, the following that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had hmm? and continues to have, it's, it's, it's considerable. I mean, to have like a dozen biographies written, about, uh, uh, I mean, these are scholars of their time, religious scholars of the time. Hmm? So many writing about him, so many followers, and, uh, and um, I mean, it's, he's uncommon in his time, and in his ecstasy was uh, something that had, uh, well, as uh, Krishna says, Rupa Goswami says, never been seen before. Anarpita charim charat karnayabhatina kalo his own, it is his own, Ujbal Rasa, he's Krishna, tasting his own Ujbal Rasa. Ujbal means Madhurya Rasa, romantic love, from Radha's vantage point, and that's being 
kind of as a byproduct of his own tasting of it, circulated and disseminated elsewhere through his ecstasy. It's, it's, it was, it's not epilepsy, which is not contagious, as some scholars said he was an epileptic. Hmm? But no, it was contagious. Hmm? And so the Goswamis, they, they, as I said, they located him on the scriptural map. And, uh, and then they um, developed a system for uh, explaining hmm, um, what he was about, this, this Adirudabhav. Hmm. Uh, and, and so, you're right, the question is, how would Sarvabhoma know about it? The priests at the temple didn't, uh, had never seen anything like that. They thought they should arrest the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Sarvabhoma intervened. Hmm. I mean, it was it was called his attention. He came to weigh in, and he he placed some cotton in, 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 in Mahaprabhu's nose, and he saw it move. So he, he's breathing. He's alive, and seeing that he was alive and in a trance, then, as Krishna writes, he concluded that this is very rare. He's in Adiruddha Bhav, and uh, so we should take very good care of this young sannyasi. And he came to know then from the followers, the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who had accompanied him, Nityananda, so far, whom he had gone ahead of when they caught up. He came to know from them who he was, what his name was. And he realized, oh, my father knew his uh, grandfather. And so we're like, I'm part of his extended, he's part of my extended family. So he had a, you know, a, a, a bias, if you will, or affection for him on that basis. And he was a sannyasin, he was young, hmm? which is, that's very charming um, for a young man, 24, to be so committed to spiritual life when the whole world is calling on him for everything else and he gives himself entirely to God in such a, in such a way to create such a uh, extraordinary um, result. And he was very... Um, Sundara, Gaur Sundara, very beautiful. Hmm. And so, but the charger was moved by his by his person, and um, took him in, of course, and revived him. And Lila goes on ultimately he's converted. But back to the question: Sarvabhauma is depicted as a Maya body, and even if he wasn't a Maya body. Even if he was a Ramanuja Vaishnava or an Embarki or still this kind of thing, as I'm explaining, is something that the world had never seen before. Hmm? Such a display of ecstasy. How could he um, understand it? Rupa Goswami could understand it because he was empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna Skaviraj describes Rupa Goswami as, as compares him to to Brahma being blessed by Krishna at the dawn of creation, blessed by Mahaprabhu. Tene Brahma Hridayadi Kavye. There's an interpretation of this first verse of the Bhagavatam, Vishnu Chakrati Thakur, that that's the second line of the first verse of the Bhagavatam. Tene Brahma Hridayadi Kavye, Muyanti Atsuraya. The general translation is that, that Brahma was infused with the spiritual knowledge, the Kadikavi, the original poet, the original learned person in the universe, with spiritual knowledge that is such that it bewilders even the gods. It's, an, it's obscure, uh, 
covert reference to also to the Brahma Vimohan Lila, hmm? which comes up many many chapters later, which is the narrative in which Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is brought out that Krishna is the person, the, the supreme personality of Godhead, the fountainhead of all forms of divinity, even the gods, hmm? you could say the demigods, but even even the gods, even the Vishnu Tattva, are worshippers of and so forth, but. Um, uh, Vishwanath has also interpreted the verse in such a way as to um, um, hear it say that uh, Rupa Goswami is the Adi Kavi, the original poet of, of Bhakti Rasa, hmm, who took, who, who poeticized the, uh, put, to put into poetic language really, what the Satyam Param, the supreme truth, which is the subject of the Bhagavatam, is all about hmm, by describing, as he does, uh, the nature of the bhakti rasa, especially uh, the bhakti rasa in, in, in Braj and so forth. Hmm. So that's another interpretation of the first verse. And as I say, Krishna Das has, has a nice verse uh, that where he where he sees Rupa Goswami, he explains Rupa Goswami, like Brahma at the dawn of the universe, was blessed by Krishna. He's blessed by Mahaprabhu and empowered within his heart to explain all the truths of the Brajalila. Hmm? That's particularly what he was em- empowered for. And that's where this ecstasy is found, in the gopis, hmm? of Braj, and in Mahaprabhu. So, it's, the, it's, it's a confidential uh, knowledge, hmm? secret affair. And uh, Rupa Goswami is ma- making it as he can according to the time and circumstance public and by his example extending that service to ourselves in times where it's perhaps more possible to come right out and say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is who he is they more emphasized Krishna is the source of Narayan and glories to Bhagavan Mahaprabhu <laughs> and they're right and so forth so Krishna Das of course is the end of that all that kind of initial uh, installment of Gaudiya Vaishnavas and he's coming out full force. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna and making the argument so that it's now it's handed to all the generations to come out fully with the full the full story hmm, who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and it is an extraordinary uh, story uh, that just need, needs to be told in, in in a world. It's it's just very um, um, from the from the religious theological point of view, is it to, to extraordinarily rich? It's a wealth, this wealth of love of God. It's a good thing, but this kind of love of God, this is this is the, the it, it's so extraordinary. The wealth of Braj and it's given so readily through Sankirtan. What did Nartam say? Goloker premodhan. The premodhan, the wealth of prem from Golok, is given out through Sankirtan. So, a little background, um, but from the background we can start to get an understanding of the answer to the question. Again, Rupa Goswami was particularly empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and and uh, and he wrote certain books. Hmm? And the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnas Kabiraj Goswami, he is a follower of Rupa Goswami. He is a Rupanuga. Hmm? 
he is envisioned as Kasturi Manjari in his in his Brajswarup. Uh, so he is writing a Chaitanya Charitamrita in a way that is completely, absolutely faithful to Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Jiva Goswami, um, but uh, we're singling out Rupa Goswami in terms of the writer about the the, the details of the nuances of ecstasy and, and so forth, right? Um, and um, the term Rupanuga is there, so you know Rupa holds a special place uh, even within the within the six Goswamis, right? Sanatana's the elder, he's worshipped by Rupa, but in the Brajali it's, it's reversed. Hmm? Raghunath is, is uh, the younger, and um, uh, it said, uh, um, you know, Sanatana gave the Sambandha, Rupa gave the Abhideya, and, uh, and Raghunath gave the Prayojan. Rupa Goswami talked about it to some extent in his books, and Raghunatha said, and it's it's about him, it's about Rupa, the position that he holds, that's what it's about. Hmm? He didn't, Rupa Goswami didn't say it about himself, but Raghunatha said, yes, what he is, we're following him, his ideal of Manjari Bhav. So, um, so uh, the, the special position of Rupa Goswami is what, in his um, uh, understanding, who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is what Krishnadas is writing about. You think that Krishnadas is writing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's true, he is. But he's writing about how Rupa Goswami saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the book is political. It has an agenda. Right? It has an agenda. I said it the other night, we touched on it, and you're referring to that with ex- your extension of a related question, Prabhupada said that my purports are more important than the verses. Once he said, we can use anybody's verse, interpret any, anybody's uh, Radha Krishna, Dr. Radha Krishna, he translate it, use his verses, and I'll just write the purports. Hmm? It's a different way of thinking that you, in the West you think that would be plagiarism, that is, you know, they didn't think, Prabhupada said, well, they mean they're Krishna's words. <laughs> that was his reply. You can't do that, Prabhupada. That would be plagiarism. Plagiarism, what? It's Krishna's words. Verses are Krishna's words. <laughs> We're just explaining, explaining them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ecstasy of the devotee who gets something out of it, what you're supposed to get out of it, hmm? how can we dismiss his explanation or her explanation of it? Compared from a, from an academic, for example, explanation of it that says, well, you know, that's not really what the book is saying. Look at over here; it's saying this. Uh, uh, really, what is the book saying? If you can't digest the first chapter of the book and take it to heart, you can't understand the Gita, for example. You can't understand the other seventeen chapters. It's all there in chapter one. Sanayur bayor madhya and he did. Krishna said, Arjuna said, bring the chariot up between the armies and let's see who's here, what, what I have to deal with. And Krishna brought it up and parked it right in front of his biggest attachments, Bhishma and Drona, and said, this is what you got to do. Hmm? That is you. Your attachment to them, that is you. And that you is what this battle is about. 
And that's what you have to... And Arjun dropped his bow. Oh my God, he said. That asked what I have to do? Hmm? Then Krishna started to support it with some with some sankhya, some knowledge. Hmm? And then the, and the, get to, a, to the practical application of the sankhya in the form of yoga. And so it goes, right? Through the first six chapters. And then the theology. Hmm? Krishna has to talk about himself. He's not somebody that's prone to do that necessarily. He may look like he's a very kind of egotistical type of person, but he only speaks about himself in the middle chapters because the middle chapters are about bhakti. And he has to talk about the object of bhakti, which just happens to be himself. So there it is. He's quite a gentleman. Not trying to draw attention to himself unnecessarily. So, anyways, and then the metaphysics of the book and the last six chapters are emphasized, that are, that are mentioned earlier, but then they're developed further, with the modes and so forth, and gunas. So, um, so fine, you know, just looking at the Gita as an example. You can be a scholar on the Gita and those many things, but if you don't have any ecstasy, you don't have any love for Krishna, I mean, I don't think you understood the book. If you haven't... Uh, if you haven't uh, uh, um, Given a, you know, if you haven't used Sridhar frame, quoting as he did Hegel, if you haven't died to live, you, you have no claim to understanding the Gita, right? I mean, that's clearly the Gita is teaching something that you, how you have to change, and what you have to be transformed in. And if you haven't done that, well, how well have you understood the Gita? What what claim do you have? Hmm? To understanding it, so these are the kind of books that they are. Of course, hmm? they're not ordinary books which you can take and put in your file and use that knowledge to further your your cause. Hmm? They they can they're not books, or it's not knowledge that you can, can put on your agenda. They have their own agenda, and you're on it. And that's that's a whole whoa. That's a, a reversal here. Hmm? So their life changing, that's their purpose. Hmm? So if they're not approached with with that in mind, you know, like Prabhupada, Srubh Dhamanamarsh brought a scholar uh, from the university where he was attending to a darshan that Prabhupada was giving, I think it was in Philadelphia, and the fellow was an Indologist. And so he asked the question, who is, who is God? And Prabhupada said, Something, something like that, and you, you said you, you should know. You're a theologian. <laughs> you should know who is God. You don't, you don't know, uh, but you say that you're, but you're teaching about God, but you don't know who He is. What kind of nonsense is this? You're teaching about God. People are paying you, and you don't know who He is. You're asking me. <laughs> that was Prabhupada for you. <laughs> and then uh, he, he said, "No, I'm asking." And he said, "Prabhupada, I said I have to ask submissively." And he said, "The man said, Tadvidhi." Pranipatena. Hmm. Quoted this verse from the Gita. Pariprashnena right? hmm. sevaya. And Prabhupada said, no, not just just mouthing the verse. He said, like this. And he pointed, shaved head. All these these are, this is what it means, Pranipat. Hmm. <laughs> this is a pretty heavy <laughs> response, right? But that was, uh, that was what he was like, for, thank God. Uh, so, what does it mean to understand the Gita? So you can say, well, that's Bhaktivedanta's interpretation. You know, that's not what the verse is saying. 
Yeah, well, if you could chant Krishna's name and uh, and experience and be driven as he was by that alone, hmm? that's what he came with. He came with only on the faith in Nam and his guru's uh, order, and something extraordinary happened. And those who have a good opportunity to witness him, to know him, and, and to be connected with him, even in an extended way. I mean, there were temples that opened in Prabhupada's uh, presence that he never went to, that had over 300 devotees. He never went to the Vancouver Temple, had over 300 devotees. When he came on a tour of Central America, there were temples wherever he went. Mexico City, Guatemala, wherever, Caracas, Venezuela, Panama City, Costa Rica. Then he got to Pan that Florida, Miami. He'd never been there. He got to Atlanta. And again, there were Gorni Thai deities everywhere in this particular segment of Prabhupada's journey. When he got to Atlanta, then it all came out hmm? there. So, so extraordinary. He couldn't contain his his ecstatic symptoms in Atlanta and Kirtan and he started to give class from Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's very, very powerful. And um, many, many young men and women who were uh, circulating in in the in the in the, in the um, throughout the country in vans selling books and so forth and and canvassing and making these kind of temples happen were gathered there. It was a big gathering point. I was fortunate to talk with, at some length with Prabhupada at that at that time. Um, it was very uh, it was it was a rare um, kind of moment. Prabhupada was pretty good at containing himself, changing the subject mm -hmm. into something practical, down to earth, something like that, mm -hmm. keeping himself from just being unable to talk at all <laughs> to us. So you know th this kind of result hmm, is this is why we, we, we I'm not giving these talks just to entertain you here is this is not for that just for some information it's I found a new interesting point you got to take the points and bring them in and and bring about about a change so at any rate that's what it means to understand uh, the book hmm. and so Rupa Goswami he understood the Bhagavatam he and he wrote books as he did, and Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, he is faithfully taking the works of the Goswamis, hmm, and Rupa Goswami in particular, and explaining Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as they experienced him, understood him. Hmm. That's his agenda. So he has an agenda in the book. Hmm. It's not objective. Hmm. It's a sub subjective... And it's not a fault. <laughs> it's not a fault. It's not. If it's not objective, it's a subjective. It's just your take on it. You know, it's not what it really is. But as I'm explaining, it is really what it's about. And you can feel it in the words of Krishnadas here and there when he's feeling it. Hmm? When he's thinking, "What am I doing? Who in my audience will read this? And how did I get in it?" It's just like probably was. How? I don't know why me. Why this is happening to me? And I've come here, and all this is happening. All oh, so many people coming. I don't understand why, but that is Krishna's way. What can I say? What can I do? 
And uh, the, so Krishna has this feeling like that. You can see it in his It's happening to me, and I'm at an old age, and this has come from on high. This, this, I've been commissioned like this, and so faithful he was to Rupa Goswami. So, given that, you have to understand that the form of the book is the narrative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. Um, information about which he drew principally from Srubdhamara and uh, um, Ravanath Das Goswami in Puri. Hmm? That's one of the reasons, although he also gives another reason that he defers to, to Vrindavan Das, whose book dealt in more detail with the Navadvip Leela. Hmm? He defers to him in Vaishnav etiquette, his senior, his predecessor, and so forth, and emphasizes more the Madhya Leela. Hmm? That's one reason he does that. But another reason he does that is because the information about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he was most privy to from the from the from the notes uh, of uh, the diary of Sarup Damodar, Sarup Damodar, Goswami Ki Jai, and Raghunathas Goswami, Raghunathas Goswami Ki Jai. This is all coming from Puri. Hmm? So this is the Madhya Leela. Also, the Madhya Leela is the center of his whole book. It's the it's much larger than the Adi Leela and the Anti Leela probably combined. Hmm? He says it himself in the book that the Madhya Leela is the main thing in the book. So he, he in that he, he he's showing the way there and the teachings are couched in there because in the Madhya Leela Mahaprabhu was instructing Rupa Goswami, instructing Sanatana Goswami, converting Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, this is the philosophies there. And and again Navadvip Leela is treated in more detail by Vrindabandas to whom he defers. And Auntie Leela, well, you know, what what can you say about it? <laughs> Mahaprabhu fell over, Mahaprabhu you know, couldn't talk. <laughs> Can't say a whole lot about it there. You say more about the Madhya Leela, then you can understand the Auntie Leela, because the Madhya Leela is the weight of the Auntie Leela. If you follow the Auntie if you understand the Madhya Leela, apply yourself accordingly, then you can experience Auntie Leela, which means you can experience Navadvip. Hmm? Because Mahaprabhu comes out of Navadvip and goes to Puri and teaches and exemplifies the teaching, then he, his public life becomes it, uh, passes and it turns to a private life in his Auntie Leela, and there he's entering into that Adi Bhav systematically and not coming out. Hmm? Not a flash of it, but not, he's not coming out. And where is that? Where is that to be found? In Braj. And what's another name for Braj? Navadweep. Hmm? Right? They're one and the same. Hmm? Lotus within the lotus. Because Gore is Krishna. Hmm? Not, any, not any avatar of Krishna. He's Krishna. No avatar of Krishna is interested in the gopis. <laughs> but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is. He must be Krishna himself. Hmm? No other avatar has Lila Madhurya, hmm? Prema Madhurya, qualities of Krishna alone. This is the preoccupation of Mahaprabhu. He must be Krishna. He can't be any avatar of Krishna. Hmm? Right? This is the Gaudiya wisdom and insights and so forth. So, Krishnadasa's work is, is to present Rupa Goswami's vision of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu given the notes of his biography or his narrative, his life, 
as this setting, uh, you know, the to 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 as the as this kind of the central theme that he branches off on here and there with 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 teachings, and comes back to it, and it's, it's somewhat chronological, somewhat, um, uh, and so there are instances like Dual Chandra is referring to, other instances too, where somebody's saying something hmm, from a book that might have not even been written by that time, perhaps, when, when, when he would have said it. Um, hmm? Pardon? Mahaprabhu's quoting Rupa Goswami. Yeah, quoting Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami's <laughs> wrote a book that, uh, you know, was... <laughs> Mahaprabhu instructed him on so you know so so it's you know if it, it's 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 it may be good to take it kind of literally Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said this I was speaking with uh, a god brother of mine once uh, and um, he was um, I was making the case that if we want to understand the Bhagavatam we need to refer to the, to the founding acharyas he was a sanskritist he said well you know maybe i mean but i, I can translate the verse too you know right here you know saying this i said well you know we have a particular interpretation of it that we call Gaudiya vaishnavism uh, and so forth and so i was kind of making the, these these points and then he said well chaitanya mahaprabhu himself said everything is in the bhagavatam hmm? i said you mean krishnadas <laughs> said he was referring to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, in, in Chaitanya Chaitanya says everything is in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So he quoted that, and I said, yeah, you mean Krishnadas said that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Krishnadas says, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said this. He wasn't there, and there weren't so many details to the notes, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said this, and then Sarvabhuma said that, and, you know. So he, this is all made up. Oh, goodness. Made up by Krishnadas. I met. I, had, I knew another guy, and he said, "I gave up Gaudiya Vaishnavism because I realized it was a man-made religion." I said, "All religions are man-made and women-made. That's what they are. They're they're attempts in human society to explain the significance of revelation. For example, in the form of the revelation of the Christ and what it meant, and so forth. And of in the East, the Eastern Savior, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? They're all made up, of course, <laughs> of course." So he had some kind of like, you know, Kanishta type of thinking about it that that didn't have any room for there to be any middle middle ground, if you will. Hmm? This is the absolute truth. It descended from on high just like this, and any other interpretation is Maya or something. You know, uh, you're gonna say what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at. They can't they can't like take it like. That, that there, there, there's a, there's a combination of the descent, and of the truth, and the cultural times in which it comes through is filtered through, and the way it will be talked about in such time. And this is a kind of thing. This is how we got into this. Uh, that Bhakti Thakur was doing. This is really significant uh, theologizing that you that you don't find really prior to the to, to Bhakti Vinod because it really kind of wasn't wasn't necessary in the same way hmm? um, as, as it was for him dealing with the modern world and so forth. And of course, at the same time, you know, people understood, like Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's a certain genre of literature. And you can find 
such hagiographies of other Buddhist people and so forth of the time, and they learned everything by the age of 12, which is a way of saying they were real super smart. <laughs> and, um, and they, you know, so sometimes statements are made like this. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did this, he knew this, and, and you can find similar statements in other books about other saints and other traditions, and it's part of the literary kind of license, a way of saying he was extraordinary in his scholarship, hmm? rather than necessarily a literal detail. Could be, but doesn't have to be. The point is, his his scholarship was off the map, <laughs> um, and he and he didn't think much of it hmm? either. Gave it up, for that matter. Hmm? So um, it's a it's a certain genre of books uh, that were prominent at that time, and so. There are a number of them about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and about other people, hmm? and so this is this is what Chaitanya Charitamrita is. So Krishna Das is putting words in Sarvabhauma's mouth, right, and saying Adi Rudabhav, um, and he's just saying that Mahaprabhu was experiencing Adi Rudabhav. That's what he's experiencing. Sarvabhauma is saying it, and then you can say, Wait a minute, I thought he was in my body, and yeah, but you know, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to bother Krishna Das. At the time, that somebody might have might have thought like that, and faulted faulted him, um, because after all, you read the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Sarvabhauma is not a Maya body, right? In Chaitanya Bhagavat, he's not a Maya body, so. <laughs> so they're you know they're it's just like if if I want to tell a story, and I, it has certain points in it, I may adjust the details in order to make the points, depending on who I'm talking to, to make to bring the real points really home. Hmm? And that means those details are true too, hmm? because they're telling the truth. That's what they do. They're telling the truth and giving the truth in a way that's more readily assimila assimilated and uh, digestible, understood, and so forth. Hmm? Um, yeah, it's not that the leela disappears or uh, or uh, and uh, if you enter into the Chaitanya Charitamrita, then you can. You can you can hear Sarvabhauma say it, and you can ask him, "Hey, how did you know that? <laughs> how did you know that?" Well, actually, I'm a devotee, <laughs> but uh, you know, for the sake of the Leela, I was doing like that. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, uh, but basically, the teaching is what's important, and what's being important there is, as I said earlier, for the the the, the, the preamble or the you know the. Uh, setting the ground to answer the question that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied the Adivadabhav, and uh, that's very uncommon, and it was an extraordinary thing. And we could say Sarabhama was an extraordinary scholar, and uh, you know he he wouldn't have known, right? As a Mayavadi, he wouldn't have known, and regardless, he wouldn't have read Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu. It, it hadn't even been written yet, according to the narrative. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hadn't met with Rupa Goswami yet, hmm? even. Would speak of instructing him and the book being written and so forth. Um, so, so some some literary license is taken by by Krishna Das to make his make his point. Hmm? And you know the truth of the matter. You know it's also Sarvabhuma is speaking the truth that Mahaprabhu is in Adiruta Bhav. That that's just a fact. Hmm? How did he say it? Saraswati danced on his tongue and made him say something. You know, however you want to, you know, mm -hmm. think about it, it's fine. But that's what happened. Hmm. 
Yes. It's just an interesting point that um, for some devotees, maybe any of us at a certain stage, we would have heard that from you. We're like, you would have stoned me. <laughs> We'd have been disturbed or whatever because, uh, but. I know, I've been working on you for a <laughs> long time. Long time. <laughs> it's working, it's working. It's been, and, been uh, yeah. Then there's examples Thank of, you. Yeah, of certain devotees that they have more developed intelligence and they're seeing the discrepancies. And the friend of Sumati's who was looking at all the different biographies and they're all different. He said, see, it can't be true. They're can't be true. Yeah. Oh. Just like in a broader sense, sometimes the atheist, ar- ar- atheistic argument is they can't all be true. All the different religions, they can't all be true, can they? Yes. They can all be true. How's that? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, not everyone that's made up, but I mean of the, uh, you know, the, the major religious traditions. There are only a few of them, really, in the world. And we would say, well, amongst the ego-effacing ones, Yes, they can all be true. But they're saying some, yeah, and it's a big subject. And it can be talked about in different ways and approached from different angles. Hmm? Like a valuable sapphire, if I hold in my hand, I can turn one way, one person can see one facet, another person another facet. And we're talking about God here. We're talking about transcendence. It's not a static thing that uh, has, can only be known in one particular way. Hmm? For God's sake, atoms can be known as... As what is it? As as waves or, waves or particles? Okay, <laughs> the whole subatomic world is is is, is speaking to about uh, the possibilities of of different angles of vision, and there's you, the observer. Hmm. So, so yeah, they can all they can all they can all be true on some to some extent. Hmm. Hmm. And there are different religious uh, possibilities. I mean, they, there, there's religious possibilities beneath the e- facing the ego as well. The karma path. Hmm? There's all kinds of heavens. Heavens. For heaven's sake. Would you say that in some instances recognition that I have just a black and white presentation would actually be better to get them on board? you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, or do you feel like if, if, there, if people were trained to understand a more nuanced approach from the start, that, that it, or do they have to have that? that I, think, I think really these things are dependent upon time and, and, and circumstance. Hmm? Like, you know, in a way, probably give a black and white explanation in a time where there was a lot of interpretation uh, and uh, and like I, when I was young, I wanted to know how to meditate and people just said, well, you know, just meditate. You know, I wanted something like some details so I could get my hands on the thing and probably said, do it like this, you know, do it like that. Okay, that worked, that's good. That's what I wanted, you know. So he gave those kind of handles, you know, it's not like this, it's like this and, and so forth. And it was very, very useful at that time and the results are there. Now, whether that same pr- approach now would be useful, I have, obviously I don't do that now and I talk to new people, so I have, uh, it doesn't mean that the way I would do now would have been as effective then. Hmm? 
you know, Prabhupada's surrendered to Krishna. He's empowered by Krishna to do what he did it, the way he did it at that time, and he had, and he had the, uh, he got the result. So it was perfect. Hmm? And now, this, this, I mean, we live in a different world than 1965, 1977. You know, it's, it's, and go look at the movies, you know, from those times. You laugh at them. You know, it's, it's like. It's a whole different world. How people thought about everything, and what is the world? But how what how people think about it, look at it, and so forth, and and so on. So you know, all that has to be taken into consideration when you hear something that Prabhupada said. And you're going, wow, that doesn't like work very well today. You know that comment. Well, it worked good then. <laughs> um, so there were good results. So, and I mean, I've given an example before. I mean, who? in the history of American politics is credited more with freeing the slaves than Abraham Lincoln. So we think of Abraham Lincoln as he who, among others, but who, you know, pushed through the emancipation, what is it called? Proclamation, Proclamation of Emancipation. Emancipation. Emancipation provocation. <laughs> anyway, it was a huge, you know, event, hmm? and and noble and so forth. And that's how we think of him. We don't quote the fact that he said, of course, they could they could never hold office or anything like that or vote. <laughs> they should be free, but you know, so we don't quote that part. If we quote him, we, we call him a racist. Look, at, you can see it right here. Lincoln was a racist. He said this. This is a racist statement right here. He's a racist. But we don't do that, right? So my understanding is that the world, the material world, is infinitely full of knowledge that is always being, new things are always being found out in different ways of thinking about it. Things are always changing. So people are changing, too. And, and and their their brains are different, and they're different, almost a different species of humans, uh, as as time goes on. And so, things stick out about the world in ways now that they didn't then. And 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 while they're problems now, they weren't problems in the same way then. Hmm? You know, there was a problem, for example, racism, and he was dealing with it effectively. In a big way, according to the time, there doesn't mean that there's mo not more to be done. For example, on that issue, there is even today. So, but this is, you know, this is how to th think about these kind of things with, with a little bit of not only dynamic but realistically. Hmm? So, yeah, Prabhupada presented it in kind of a black and white way, and he was a very charismatic person, especially powerful. We just jumped on, and you know, there was no. There were no other Godias out there. There was no other uh, really prominent. Um, well, there were other, other some other yogis and whatnot, but um, but uh, you know anyway, he he did what he did, and it was very successful in terms of what he wanted to do. And we're still here, so he was successful. What's going on? Yes, sir. Would you would you say that um, this is going to be a weird question? Would you? Would you say I'm pretty weird too. So. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> there he goes with a stand-up comedy. Storytelling. Okay. Would you would you say that um, that God appeared in these different forms so that we would have different like because there's so many different types of people on Earth and uh, one one world under one religion is almost near impossible and you know like people relate to can relate to different gods since there's so many different types of people like for instance you know before I came into Krishna consciousness you know I felt like Jesus was like trying to reach out to me like he was just appearing everywhere in my life and just like people kept like you know coming to me and like you know and, and then I just and I was connecting with like you know the Uh, you know, I was, I was listening to like the the Christian prayer uh, radio station, mm-hmm. you know, and just like just because it was high vibration, and I really, I really, you know, enjoyed yeah. uh, like the the vibration of it. But I mean, so you know, there's different types of people that resonate with a certain mm-hmm. logic, a certain yeah. So the different forms of God. That's that's right. so partially why there are different forms of God and different teachings and different scriptures and different circumstances, different places. The Gita says that, uh, Krishna says, I appear again and again, yuga after yuga, to establish dharma. Bhaktivinoda, in one of his commentaries, says, and, he said, and that doesn't mean only in India. He comes as Shaktivesha in other places and other cultures and teaches the dharma according to the time and circumstance there, according to those people, and so forth. So. All right, uh, so, good, we stop there. Shishigoradamadavakejana, or Bhaktivinoda. Good morning.